We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If I ventured in the slipstream this episode of Inside Golf Podcast is brought to you by rickrungood.com. All the stats, tools, and info that I'll be discussing on this podcast can be found over at rickrungood.com. We're banging out three premium articles over there a week. My in-depth course breakdown of Detroit Golf Club uh, is already up there. I post that one out every Monday morning, season-long fantasy rankings on Tuesday. Uh, and final DraftKings thoughts on Wednesday as well, not to mention all of the additional tools. Rick is adding stuff to the site constantly. Uh, model generator, lineup builder, Cavs ownership projections, premium Slack channel, everything you need. So now is as great of a time to join as ever with the British Open coming up right around the corner. Uh, and we would love to have you as part of the community over there. All right. Coming up on this podcast, my good friend Kenny Kim is joining me to dive into Oil Rocket Mortgage Classic. Uh, we do a bit of a wide ranging conversation on, you know, some of the DFS industry and where it's headed in terms of, um, how it's changed primarily uh, since when we first started playing. And then we dive right into the DraftKings slate for uh, a tournament that I know the excitement might be a little bit lulled for. It's 4th of July weekend, but uh, I still think there's a ton of opportunity uh, on the slate. And I, I personally love weeks like this for betting and DraftKings purposes. So without further ado, let's bring on Kenny. All right. Kenny Kim is here. Uh, Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast he does some writing for gubs corner as well second time on the podcast it's been a while we're just joking uh last time you came on you were you were in a car during your lunch break so glad to have you in a much more convenient setting this time although i hope we could get i hope we can find a way to to muster some excitement for an event that i can already tell most of twitter and and the golf betting and DraftKings community seems to be panning a little bit yeah, I mean, you know, with all these designated events and stuff like that, it does sort of lose its luster uh, a little bit. But I like a good birdie fest. We've 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 gone through all these tough ass courses uh, for these golfers for the last couple of months. Uh, you know, a couple of birdie fests ain't gonna kill nobody. 
uh, go out there and get your 600, 700 point score on DraftKings and take down a GPP. My question is, why wasn't this the event the week after the U.S. Open and the elevated travelers not this week? I mean, that that's the one thing I keep thinking about. This is, I mean, this is even closer to LA. This is closer yeah. to the Midwest. So that would have been less of a trip from LA. And then you get major kind of a nothing burger, elevated event, kind of a nothing burger into Genesis and then major. I understand why they had travelers and rocket flipped. I think, I think what they're doing, and I don't know, it's just a guess, but you know, try to to ride the coattails for the casuals for an extra week. Right. You know what With I'm saying? The heritage. They got yeah. the good ratings at the heritage. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so you, you get to ride those casual coattails because, you know, they, they saw the U S open, uh, you know, t- two weeks ago, they enjoyed the casuals enjoyed it. They had a good time watching Ricky almost win. And they really grabbed those guys uh, who w- watch only eight events a year, 10 events a year or something like that. To have it go from that to another elevated event with all the big dogs lined up again, I think that, that that's probably good for the viewing process uh, when right. it comes down for the PGA Tour. Now, for the golfers themselves, probably not the best, uh, yeah. you know. But how often do they think about the golfers? Uh, as we've as we've noticed here in the last couple of months, right? How much do they really give a fuck about those guys? Right. Yeah. So uh, that's my thought on why they're doing these sort of back to back, you know, a major and then another designated event afterwards, just to try and ride that momentum for another good TV week. Yeah. I mean, how often do they think about the golfers? My answer is probably just as often as they think about the fans, which both both feel yeah. underserved in, in many ways when it comes yeah. down to it. But yeah, I mean, I would say that this is kind of the dog days of summer. I get it. It's frustrating to me because there is really no other sports going on right now. Like you just flip on Sports Center and they're grasping for straws out there. I mean, I know we just had the NBA draft and the NFL is kind of now a 12 month news cycle with the way that the NFL operates, but you know, golf could have really had a bit more of what feels like an opportunity in this area of June, July. But I guess, you know, the reality of the situation is people are just doing other shit. Like I'll, I'll be honest. These are, it's going to be tough for me to catch Sundays at, at travelers and Sundays at Rocket Mortgage, and next week, I imagine we'll have a mass exodus. Did you catch much of the trap Travers from last week? Do you have any lingering thoughts? I, I didn't watch the Rocket? first. Uh, I mean, I had it on like a TV for the first couple of rounds, but then I had a lot of stuff that I had to do around the house and you know stuff like that, and so I didn't really sit down and watch, like sit down and really watch it until the final round. Yeah. Uh, that that's really all I saw. I had some. GPP hopes and dreams. So, uh, you know, I was I was trying to catch uh, catch that, and I was hoping Ricky could do something on Sunday because I really want to see him win. Uh, now it'll be this week when I fade him in DFS and don't bet him at fourteen to one. I'll I'll even take that. You <laughs> know, I, I I just want to, I just want to see Ricky win. Yeah, the sixty. I mean, it's just so crazy that the guy shoots sixty. He doesn't even finish in the top ten, which yeah. is. You know, listen, I'm fine with the birdie fest every once in a while. And I think Rory said it well. It's like, you know, is this course has modern technology 
maybe deemed this course a bit outdated and obsolete. Yeah. On the other hand, is there much room for this course to move backwards and put tees in places that they go farther back than they already have? Not really. So at yeah. the end of the day, they're, and it's not always this easy. Like if you actually travelers is usually play, not that easy, it not, not even close. I mean, uh -uh. you've had some years where guys are winning 13, 15, 14. Yeah. 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 So I, I mean, it's, it's a phenomenal event from, in terms of the way they treat the players and the caddies. It's, I definitely think it's worthy of a spot on the schedule. Maybe just, you know, I know maybe this will trigger a big part of the community, I'm sure, but maybe just fuck around and make it a par 68 next year and see what happens. Uh, yeah. I mean, like everyone's has those numbers, what par should be. I mean, it literally is just a number. Right. And you know I know I'm like yeah. anything below 70 is like sacrilegious. Like yeah. we can never do that. But if you're dealing with a course where there's not really much space to move back tees, but it's a tournament that should be on the PGA tour. The players love it. The fans love it. There's great turnout and you don't really have much options in terms of setup and weather and people are losing their minds over 25 under then, you know, I mean, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world. They could they could use your favorite word. I, I don't even know how to say it, the B word. Bifurcation. Bifurcation. Yeah. Uh, we could bring well, that. I didn't want that along. Oh, yeah. oh, trust me, Kenny. If you want to go down that road, I am always ready yeah. to go down that road. But I wasn't even. I wasn't even trying to bring that. I mean, I think that is the right option long term, um, which I think answers a lot of the LACC concerns and complaints as well. But yeah, I mean, there these ne this next stretch where it's just bent grass birdie fest after bent grass birdie fest, it can get a little stale quickly. But you know, it's still this week we got a Donald Ross course. I mean, there's still some elements of it that I find interesting. Is there anything you want to touch on course wise before we dig into the slate rot for uh, Rocket Mortgage related? I, I do have a, a an ask. Because uh -huh. I do, I do, I do listen to all your course previews, especially when it comes to new courses. That's actually how I made my bones. I started in the business with a course preview write up, which is nothing like yours. <laughs> I can tell you that. Right <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought it was great back in 2016, you know, when I started writing it, and I sort of have, have kept the similar format for seven years that I've been doing it. And then I read yours, I'm like. Maybe I should adjust. I don't know, you know, <laughs> uh, sometimes. So so what I ask is, you know, you've really helped out on all the new courses this year, like LACC, uh, Oak Hill, and stuff like that. Please have your Open Championship uh, course preview ready before the Sunday before the open championship so i can go through it and <laughs> i know i know what to expect because your course write-ups and the way you describe courses with the architecture uh and stuff like that like i know some people might not think that that's an important aspect of gambling or uh dfs but it's super important uh yes. and, and the way that you bring it uh, into this realm is pretty amazing shit. Uh, so, so I'm a big fan of yours, and I do have to say, you know, oh, and so just that, get the, if you can have that course preview out Saturday before the <laughs> open, I would be very, very happy. So I can use all your info uh, for my course write up. Uh, you know, uh, luckily, uh, you know, a lot of the times for me, these courses don't change. 
uh, yeah. year in and year out. So it makes it pretty easy for Those me. Those are to write. my favorite weeks too. For what? Exactly like. right. Yeah. yeah. You but, do yeah, a little for anyone who writes a course preview. You change things around. Yeah. 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 Those yeah. are the best. Yeah. Yeah, those those are my favorites. But uh, uh, when you actually have to put in the work, it's nice to have you uh, in the background trying to trying to get all the information I need. Appreciate that, man. I really appreciate the kind words. I love that you said that about the architecture too. And I've said this a million times. I actually don't think that you need to know a goddamn thing about golf to be a good golf PGA DraftKings player. I really do believe that. I think if you understand game theory and you maybe know how to build models without necessarily but it's not as fun that way. Golf, yes, yeah, yeah. It's not as fun. The, which is the second part of my point. I think I think if you understand game theory, that is like the baseline, that is number one. That is absolutely huge. But I think the guys that end up being the most successful, like my th- friend Kobe is a good example, who's won millions on DraftKings. He He understands game theory, but he's like a golf lover first, right? He was introduced. He's been playing his whole life and is obsessed with architecture like me and loves all that stuff too. And if you have, and if you're able to combine the two, which is kind of the ethos of my podcast, which is what I try and do, because there wasn't, as you remember, Kenny, you came way before I did and there wasn't. Because I remember listening to content in like 2016, 2017. No one was talking about, you know, this guy played well on a Donald Ross course and Donald Donald Ross has similar designs to this other golden age designer who designed this place in this part of the country. And this course was restored by this guy. And this course has that agronomy. And this course has the same type of back to front sloping greens. Like no one was no one was doing, no one was doing those things, right? They were talking about this guy has two top 25s coming in, you know, stuff like that. So I think, you know, the being able to marry that with the DraftKings knowledge of game theory and understanding ownership was a nice little, you know, niche that I was able to find. And now it's, you know, now everyone is sharp. I mean, there's, well, you just made it, you just made everybody who was doing it in the past look bad is all that it did because I, you know, that's like I said, that's how I started, uh, you know, and that's how people got to know me with the course previews. Uh, and then, you know, after, you know, what the DFS golf started in 2015, it took about a year, a year and a half for people to really realize that like how the course plays, is yeah. very important, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, and so uh, you know, that's how I started, and that's how I got my success early on. And then as time has gone on, it's just longevity. Uh, by yeah. then, you're just a known name that's been doing it for years, and it just makes it easier for people to come and and find your work nowadays. Uh, just because you know, find my work nowadays, just because I've just been doing it forever. Uh, you know, Pat has, has helped being on his show. Uh, you know, back in 2017, 2018, 2019, you know, a few times really helped explode everything. It all started, of course. Uh, you know, that, that's it. Actually, it's funny because the first person I worked for was Rick. Uh, he gave me my first job at DFS on demand way back in the day for ten dollars a write up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, so I, I didn't, know, started I didn't my, realize that. What is DFS oh yeah, on demand? DFS on demand was Rick's first site. <laughs> it was his OG triple OG 
uh, site. I actually, I, I, I actually don't hate that name as like and, a. And, and, and you know, I could be getting the name wrong. I could be mixing up the name. My, my memory is not very good. I've killed <laughs> too many brain cells over my lifetime where I could barely remember anything from like three hours ago. But <laughs> but yes, Rick was the first one. It was actually a funny story. It was the PJ Championship, 2016, and and was that I gave, whistling. Baltusrol, Jimmy Walker. I don't remember. I, I think yeah. it was Baltusrol. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Um, and I had, uh, you know, it was my tryout week, right? And so I did a course preview, and I also listed like my favorite golfers, stats to look for, and like that was like my best week like ever. It's probably still to this date. But like, like I probably wrote up like like thirty guys, and, like twenty eight of them made the cut, and I think I had Jimmy Walker too. Uh, you know, so so it was like she was, was like, all right, you're in. So I. I I wrote for him for for about a year, and then uh, you know I I recommended EPAT Eric Patterson yeah, sure to write that article for me when I left to go to Project Rota. So that's when EPAT came and took over my write up on Rick's site, uh, and so because Eric was actually a part of the Fantasy Golf Degenerates, we had like a small little website at that point in time. Uh, the guy I was running it with was Brad Messersmith. Was and, so Tambo uh, wasn't even uh, in the picture yet. No, he wasn't even. Yeah, Tambo didn't come until 2019. Uh, so the first like three and a half years was me and Brad. And so Brad, uh, you know, got all these people to like do like these little mini articles on a website. Was one of them. Uh, and so uh, Eric Patterson, who uh, I'm a huge fan of. Uh, yeah, I think he works for the Score in, in mm-hmm. Canada now. That you know, he took my place. After working for Rick, so I love Rick. I owe Rick everything, basically. Rick and Pat, basically, two guys that I owe owe a lot, and of course Brad. Uh, you know, for 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 being the uh, the GPP king back then that he was. I've gotten very lucky with the co-hosts because me, I'm not that great. I play cash. I'm above average in cash. I was was really good. You're selling yourself short, man. You're selling. I feel my game has not been as good as it once was. Uh, now you know it's not worth. It's not saying that I'm not doing decent. I'm still doing pretty well. Uh, but it's not as good as it once was. But it's nice having Tambo there and one out there, you know, playing the game. So I've gotten very, very lucky because Brad he won about seven ATPs while uh, we were doing the pod together. So I've gotten lucky, very, very do you, lucky. Do you think that's? Do you think maybe you're having less success recently? speaks to what we were just talking about about how the industry as a whole has gotten a lot sharper in the sharper content that they put out totally because i see it, i i feel that way too i mean i it, even it, notice it, yeah. i notice a difference between like i'm way newer to this than you but i i really i really started going hard in dfs golf around covid and even between now and then like even remembering that first finishing, you know, summer outside of COVID when I was really getting g- getting into DFS, it felt to me like guys, you know, that were hitting the ball really great and would still be flying under the radar. Now guys like that are completely chalk and stuff. I it just it feels like people are starting to figure out the game a lot more, and I think a lot of that has to do with. Uh, just the overall improvement in quality of of content across the industry. Yeah, 2018, 2019, I won 74% of my cash games. So 
almost three out of every four weeks, I won uh, my cash lineup. Okay. Uh, I had an 85, 86% made cut percentage in my cash game cornerstones. You know, the, I, I picked four guys yeah. Yeah. And, and I leave 14, five or above, you know, to fill out the other two. I've been doing that since 2017. Uh, in 2018, 2019, I was at like 84%, I think, made cut percentage. It was crazy. Um, I think some of it had to do with the, the, it dropping the top 65 in ties. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that was something to do with it because you're taking away about one fifteenth, you know, of of the field, something like that. Uh, that would normally make the cut. It didn't. Uh, so I think that had something to do with it. Also, uh, you know, prior to COVID, you know, it was extremely hot. Like I was saying, and then the COVID break sort of happened, and then I just haven't been able to hundred percent recover. Uh, and I think people are getting better. Like the thing is, like back then, I would win with a four of six. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. That is basically not going to fucking happen anymore. Like last week, I was five of six, uh, and I had second, fourth, fourth in my lineup, and and in one and and in one of the double ups, I barely cashed. Uh, and all the other ones, it was you know in the in the bottom half of cashing but there was one that was like i was in last place to cash with yeah. second second fourth and a five out of six and, you know so i i think i think people have just gotten better and, and they're seeing more and it makes it a lot tougher especially in cash and that's how i made my bones that's how i keep afloat because i'm not the greatest in gpps my goal is to win 50 percent, 60 percent in cash uh you know what i'm saying and then i have and then you know so i don't lose my all my money and that in GPPs, and then hopefully I get that one or two weeks where I have that hope to take yeah. something down. And yeah. Basically, that's how I go about my play. Yeah. All right. I I want to use this question because you got me thinking there with what you just said. I want to use this question to we'll transition uh, us a little bit into the rocket mortgage. But do you think weeks like this, when it's so dependent on putting, do you think th- does that? change your strategy at all versus how much cash you play versus an inclination to play in GPPs? It's not necessarily the fact it's a birdie fest putting contest. It's the fact of the price structure and where the top guys are. Yeah, the, the top heavy nature of the field. Yeah. Yes. So in in, a, in an event like this, when I'm playing double ups, I pay like 200 you know, I play like around 250 in double ups and I play like 270 in GPPs a week, something mm-hmm. like that. That's the way it goes for me. And so when it comes to when it comes to cash, repeat the repeat the question again. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Does well, I was asking if this type of this yes, type of yes. tournament okay. changes your strategy in terms of an inclination to play more cash in GPPs. The only reason why I ask that is because I think about a tournament like this. And, you know, this, this specific event is far more dependent on putting. There's far less separation that's able to be created from T to green at this golf course than there is at, I don't know, say a major or Riviera or Torrey Pines or Bay Hill or one of those, you know, bigger ballparks that we've seen earlier in the season. And so, for example, you know, a guy like Tony Finau here who I like this week a lot, but a guy like Tony Finau here, his advantage over say Brendan Todd this week is far less 
than his advantage over Brendan Todd on a week when they were both playing Tory Pines. Does that make sense? I, it, it makes a hundred percent sense, but I would still say that the win equity is a lot stronger with said Tony Fina than it is Brendan Todd. Now it could be more likely that they play evenly matched or, you know, even Brendan might, might even beat him. But I think when it comes to the total win equity uh, overall, when it comes into the event, Tony still has it over yeah. him. And that's why in these events where it's top heavy, I try and snake as many people in that top echelon as possible. Uh, so for me this week, you know, I like uh, uh, Sungjae, Deki, and Tom uh, to start my cash line. You know, that's 98, 96, 9,400. Okay. And so my cash game cornerstones, I got to go deep down the well for my fourth pick. So I can so I can still be 14-5 or above with my last two just for people who use the cornerstones. Right. You know, I don't want to leave them with you know thirteen hundred dollars, you know, to fill out the rest of their lineup. I'm right. not doing that. Um now, so because of that, you know, that that's why I, once you get below Sungjae this week, I think there's a huge gap. I agree. When, when it comes to like for yeah. people that want the reference, it goes Sungjae into Cameron Davis, 94, yes. 93. Now Keegan might be a Keegan might be a part of that Sung Jay, but I, sure. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna use him this week after uh, a win. But I do like him. I'll probably play him in GPPs. But I, you know, I went with those three guys. First off, they play well on easy courses. I mean, and they both showed a little something. I mean, you look at Sung Jay last week. You know, he gained strokes in all five uh, of the strokes gained categories. Um, he's done that a couple of times here in in the past year, and he's always backed it up with doing it again. The next time he sort of plays, uh, you know, in, in with momentum, with his momentum and how it's going. And that's why I like him also strokes gained total wise in the last 50 rounds on easy courses. He's excellent. Uh, you know, he's he's like top five. Uh, so, again, we're at an easy course. Same with Tom, easy course guy. And Hideki is just my favorite play. Uh, I think he's going to win this week. I bet him 18 to one. I'm going to use him in GPPs as well. But I'm going I'm going with those three guys. To, to the front load it just in case I go five of six, I have, you know, hopefully some upside, more upside than other lineups would have with maybe just playing a Fiend and going down to Aberg or something right. like that, you know? Right. I agree with that, by the way, particularly in cash, jamming as many of that top tier as you can get in would be the strategy that I would go to as well. So does that mean you're likely fading the entire 10k range or is there someone 10k and above just so listeners have the reference point well, F- i only now make- morikawa fowler homa thomas those I are the five make- guys above 10k yep i only make one line for all my cash games so interesting i only make one lineup the same lineup for all 250 bucks and That's, GPPs is where you have I, a player pool and you get, yes, you do yes. a lot more variations. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's the way I, that's the way I do mine because I can't afford to lose, you know, $600 every week. Right. <laughs> you know, if I, if I just did GPPs, you know, right. so I can't, I have to have, I have to have weeks where if I suck at GPPs, you know, I had the cash to back me up because I, you know, I'm not a rich man. I, I, I'm okay, but I'm not rich. Uh, I can't. I can't be losing six hundred dollars every week. You know, I mean, I could lose a couple times, but not every week. Uh, and that's why I play cash. Uh, um, play cash. I can't play cash to keep me alive. A play DFS and right. just hoping for that one week of a good GPP. So for GPP purposes of the 10K range, who are you most inclined? 
of that five of those five guys. If you're going game theory, like you were talking about earlier, I really like Max Homa. Me too. This week. I really like Max Homa. I'm hoping Fowler and JT soak up all that ownership Mm -hmm. uh, and we can get him again. I I always say you play Homa at Homa courses. Okay. He doesn't have any top finishes here, but he's made the cut all three times. A couple of top 25s. I consider this a Homa course. It's Uh, got a lot of Silverado in it where he won the Fortnite at. Yes. A lot of silver. Like, a lot of long, like just straight course, straight fairways, you know? Right. Uh, not, mu- not many dog legs, just straight ahead. Uh, that sort of seems like his deal. Uh, and uh, again, that's what you get here. I mean, you miss a fairway by 20 yards, you're in another fairway with an easy shot onto the green, you know, at this course. It's not like you're going to be punished into some crazy OB or trees or something like that. It's perfect for Tony Finau. It made sense that he won last open. If you remember that playoff, with Steve Marino, they played 18 over and over again on Puerto Rico, and Finau was hitting it into the other fairway right. like 60 yards right. And that's where he was aiming, uh, because I, that's just the way his game plan. And if Hovland played this course, I'm sure he would do that on some type of hole here where you could get a better angle. But uh, yeah, I, I just when it comes down to it, uh, that, that's that's how I roll, I guess. I think Fowler is going to be the highest owned in this range. If I had to make a guess, I actually, I actually really like, I think Finau is going to be low owned. I like um, Finau, Finau and JT. I like as well. I'm playing all three of those guys. Yeah. I really like JT too. I, I think Finau, I, I mean, he's not playing well, so I understand, but you get the combination of the poor recent form coupled with people not thinking that he can go back to back coupled with being the highest priced player. I think that's a bit of a perfect storm for him to come in at around like 15. I was going to say under, I was going to say like, if you gave me, yeah, I was going to say, I think Finau comes in around 12 ish, but Mm -hmm. I guess that depends on what you think about Morikawa, because I don't think Morikawa is going to be crazy popular either. Like Morikawa can't be more than 13, 12, 13% either. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he, I, I'm not going with Kawa this week. Me neither. The the worry I have is, you know, I mean, easier courses, I don't know. He tends to just be okay on them. He's not like, a, I mean, when you look at Tony, he plays easy courses really, really well. He does. Uh, JT is the best on easier courses. I mean, you've seen what happened. The slump that he went through was like on courses like the, the U.S. Open, the PGA Championship, Memorial, Wells Fargo, like uh, just just – difficult ass courses the masters the players those are all the ones where he's fucked up on right yeah and so right when we get to the, the first easy course the motherfucker goes out there and you know, does a top 10 uh so i i think that's all i think that's just what he needed just to play an easy course and remember what it felt like to make a birdie uh you know and then go out there and so i like him again this week another easy course we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's the thing I think a, a lot of people get confused on is that guys that we think of in our head as not good putters, we suddenly say that they're incapable of necessarily getting to 20 under par or 22 under par like JT and Hideki, particularly JT, but even Hideki has won the Sony open at 19 under par. Mm -hmm. I think that was his last win or one of his last wins And JT JT, I think at least I don't have the stats up in front of me, but I've tweeted this one out before. I'm pretty sure at least like eight of JT's 14 wins have come at like 15 under or lower. So, you know, these guys that we don't necessarily think are great putters. The thing that you have to consider with somebody like JT and Hideki is that they are such elite wedge players that if they just start making a couple of those seven, eight footers, which they're going to have plenty of on this golf course, they're going to, they're going to be, they're going to be more than fine here. And we, like you said, we saw it last week with JT at the travelers and Hideki, what did Hideki finish T13 at the travelers too, and probably got to 15 under par in his own right. Yeah. Uh, the, the iron game for Hideki's just been off the chart yeah. uh, here recently. I'm a huge fan uh, of him this week, like I was saying. And, uh, you know, uh, I, yeah, I, I like Hideki a lot. He's my favorite play. Do you think that any of these guys in the low nines or the high eights, like we said, I think there's going to be a bit of a drop off here. But it seems to me like a lot of people are going to gravitate towards Ludwig. And I think Chris Kirk's going to get some ownership uh, just because he's got really good course history here. And, you know, Kirk's always the type of guy that is able to get some popularity in DraftKings on courses like this, no matter how he's playing. But there is some opportunity, I will say, on some of these guys that are probably a little bit overpriced. Like, I think Jaeger is overpriced at 8900 but the drawback of that is he'll probably be now in the 7-8% zone, and Jaeger, based on the way that he's hitting the ball, if he was 8200 would probably be 12 13 14 15% like Sepp Straka. So how do you dissect these low nines and, and all the way into the eights? I mean, when it gets to the low nines, I like Keegan. Keegan's going to be the one guy I like. I mean, the guy, you know, it, it's a big win for him, but it's not like, you know, he's got two kids and a wife, and it wasn't his first win. It's not like he's out here, uh, you know, getting fucked up the whole week like uh, Grio or something did when he got that win, uh, and he was still probably drunk, you know, uh, coming into the next time he played. Uh, it's not going to be like that. So I, and the way he's playing, the way he's putting, uh, pretty, pretty impressive stuff. He's got that new, I know he's doing the aim point, but he, and he's got that versa putter. 
but he's doing something new with his putting grip. I, 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 I heard something about it, but I wasn't hundred percent sure, but whatever it's doing, it's working. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And you know, ball striking, the man is one of the best all time. And so I, I like him down there. I like, you know, I think Aber is going to be popular, probably one of the more popular players there, but I, I like the guys surrounding him. That's I think Harmon going back to back on a similar scoring condition course with similar greens, uh, you know, maybe not as undulating, uh, maybe a little bit more undulating this week than it was last week. Uh, but still, you know, I mean, you know, those those greens over there at, at um, the Travelers multi-tiered, you know, they have a good amount of undulation to them, just like it's going to be this week. And so uh, I think he can come back and do the same thing again after a second. And I like Alex Small a lot. Uh, when it comes to easy courses, he seems to be uh, really strong when it comes to easy courses. I mean, top 10 in drafting points in the last 50 rounds on easy courses. Uh, you know, the Iron Games good a top 10 last week. Uh, one more thing about Hideki, though. I saw this quote. I know because uh, of the architecture thing. 11 of his – since 2015, he's played Donald Ross courses 16 times, 11 top 15s. So I'm trying to Hideki. think the other ones. Gosh, that'd be, that'd be Wyndham, which he's been good at in the past. Mm-hmm. Eastlake, Eastlake, which I can't remember if he's been – super good at off the top of my head, but I'm sure he has. And mm. then you throw in like stuff like playing field and yes. I mean, and there's then, not uh, that what, uh, well, yeah, I guess I, those, the only two regular ones I believe are here said and, and Hideki's and been East good Lake. here too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then East Lake, I think, and then you have um whatever there's one that plays rotates that used to be for the AT&T that rotated in my neck of the woods in the DC area. Aronimic, Aronimic. Maybe? Is, that Donald, yeah. is that Donald Aronimic. Ross? Yeah, yeah, it's Donald Ross, and they're bringing actually they're bringing a PGA there in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I yeah, believe. I heard about that. Oh, guess what? Speaking of majors, I'm going to get to play Pinehurst. Ooh, when, uh, is, when, when is that? You're going to love going it. Pinehurst is au- fucking awesome. I'm going for an auction fantasy football draft down at Pinehurst uh, the week at Labor Day weekend. Yeah. So, that's so I'll actually, be, I'll be, that, that's a, I mean, it's going to be hot. You know that I'm sure, yeah. but Piners is awesome. I would say if I'm making a recommendation, everyone says play four, right? Well, well, Piners number two is, is the U S open course, is the U S yes. open course. Yeah. Most expensive. It is the best course for sure. Don't get me wrong, but I was going to say, play the cradle, the par three. Like Someone told me that too, yeah. Like, do that late in the afternoon with a couple buddies. Bring a couple beers out there. You can. You literally have to bring three clubs if you want yeah. to. You could bring a couple wedges and a putter. The cradle is fucking awesome. And Piners is just, they get the resort thing. Like, they do it right. The food's spectacular. The lodging is great. You'll love it down there. I mean, I went, I remember when I went to the US Open in 2014, because I was going, I was going to college in North Carolina. So I I went, I played Piners before and went on a golf trip. And I also went to that 2014 US Open, most boring golf event I've ever seen in my life, which has Look, nothing to Keimer? do with being Piners fault. Keimer was just up by nine strokes mm-hmm. on Friday afternoon. But I think Texas wedging of, it everywhere, right? Right, but I think a, a a lot of the um, a lot of the criticisms and concerns that people had about LACC in terms of the atmosphere, I I would expect Pinehurst to to deliver on that level. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to. I'm going to the U.S. Open the three days before that tennis. 
Uh, so it's going to be a nice little week, a little week off from golf because there's no golf tournament that week. Oh, you're up in, you're going to New York for your going. Yeah, to yeah. I used to go every year. Uh, I haven't gone the last couple, but yeah, I'll go. I saw the, probably the biggest upset in sports history when Serena lost to that Italian, when Serena was going for the grand slam and all she needed was the U S open. And she was playing like the 120th ranked person in the world in the semifinals. And it was like some like four foot eight Italian woman hey, yeah. who just who just who just crushed who just crushed Serena. I was like, what is going on? Uh the great thing about the US Open is Arthur Ashe Stadium, the best Wi-Fi in a stadium I have ever seen. And that was like three years ago, last time I went. And so it has to be better now. Like you could live bet games and set you know, uh, on your phone. It was great. It was great. Are you going last question, then I'll get us back on track because I'm big, I'm big. I've gone to the U.S. Open, but because I grew up in New York and I'm a big tennis guy myself. But are you <laughs> going towards the time when it's like quarterfinals, semifinals? There's uh-huh. not that many players left. Or are you going to one of the initial rounds? Because first three days. Okay, dude, that is my favorite. That's the because, best, yes. dude. You can get, you can see some unbelievable. Like they'll have top 15 players in the world yeah, on like these. Eight. On you know what I'm saying? Eight out there, yeah, 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 yeah. and you feel like you're watching a high school match out there. Sometimes people yeah. just won't know to go to them, or you know, the New York crowd will come in for the 8 p.m. night matches. You know, mm-hmm. to see Djokovic and the stars, and you can see some fucking awesome tennis on yeah. some of those side courts if you go during the day during the first three days. I love that shit. Yeah, so tennis was my best sport. I was actually a tennis pro at a country club for about three years. No way. So I, I taught a lot of, you know, Desperate Housewives, 40-somethings. I was like 19 at the time. So it was, it was money. It was definitely money. All these rich, beautiful white women, you know. So I, I was a big fan. Big fan. <laughs> I would have ne- If you gave me, like, Kenny get like Kenny's bingo card, I don't think I ever would have gotten to tennis pro. Yeah, that was definitely. I don't, know, I don't pro. know if I ever would have gotten to tennis pro. Where in like DC area? Yeah, right outside suburbs of DC in Tyson's Corner. Uh, it was a uh, swimming racket club, Cardinal Hill swimming racket club. You know, it's, it was nice. I mean, it, my my high school coach hired me after I right after I graduated, and I realized how fucked up of a crazy man this guy was. <laughs> Because I mean, basically, what well, we just ended up getting stoned and drunk all day. <laughs> That's basically what we did for like three summers straight. Because we we would just get he'd have like a half ounce or a half pound of some crazy weed, uh, and his house is right next to the court uh, because they bought it for him for the tennis pro. Uh, and we would just get fucked up and teach little kids how to play tennis. And then in the afternoons, it was the it was the adults. Well, it's fun have, gig. I have absolutely no idea how to get us back to like. Adam Hadley and Austin. <laughs> yeah, <Hadley. okay. laughs> but, uh, but I'm, but I'm going to try. I mean, I think that for me, the one guy I'm surprised, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned yet, but doesn't this, I feel like this sets up pretty well for Benny on. No. Uh, yeah. I, I, I just not the, I'm a little worried with the WD and then the miscut last week and, you know, I, easy events. He's not like the greatest, uh, you know, his iron play really tends to suffer when it comes to easier courses. I don't know why that is. Like, if you look at his last 50 on just, like, normal courses, I think he's, like, you know, top 50 in strokes game approach. If you look at his last 50 in easy courses, he's 127th in this field. I don't know why. I don't know yeah. where that's coming from. Like, I haven't visually seen that. Uh, but I'm looking at the numbers. I'm like, what's going on here? 
Uh, so I know he's popular. I, I don't have him yet. We'll see if people talk me into him. I noticed that too. There is, he is one of those guys that you have to worry about a little bit because he lowers his, he definitely lowers his baseline in easy scoring conditions. Still some very serious concerns about the putter. I mean, I have him towards the absolute bottom of the field in putting from 10 to 15 feet, which you're going to need to make a ton of those. But on the other hand, I did not realize he was this long off the tee. I mean, he absolutely bombs the ball out there. Gives himself a ton of birdie looks. So I think if you're, I like him as a pivot off Ekro because I, I'm, I'm going to take a stand against, I think the I think the Ekro thing is getting a bit much now in the 8k range at what I think will be above 15%. Personally, I could be wrong, but I, I think that Ekro is going to be very popular this week. I thought he was going to be like that last week. And I think he only came in at like 13. Interesting. Uh, we'll see. I, I like him. I mean, there's guys around him that I like. If we go down to the 7K, I like Bazidenhut. Yeah. I like Bazidenhut a lot this week. Again, another guy who can put his ass off from 5 to 15 feet, uh, you know, who plays better on easier courses. Uh, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, a really, really good putter, really good on shorter par fours, stuff like that. So I, I like Bazidenhut. You can go Justin Saw there too. Uh, yeah. He's made 19 of his last 20 cuts. I mean, that's pretty respectable right there. I would even I'd throw Taylor Moore into me too. the mix there as well. I was thinking that he's been playing horribly, but he's popping for me. He is he is as well. And he might he might get some ownership, but I think like there will be opportunities here in the high sevens too. I, I even like Hoshgard a little bit, just in terms of the player profile that he I mean, with with the length off the tee, and he's actually like sneaky good, like pretty good short iron player. I think he is intriguing at 77 and then you get down into the low sevens and man, why is Gordon Sargent 7,500? That surprises me a little bit. It did. I thought he was going to be six gates uber chalk. This I, I week. thought, yeah, I mean, he, they had him, they were rolling out the Gordon Sargent package. I don't know if you remember in the early, like the, the, early coverage of the U S open before the leaders were going off, they were really leaning into the low am stuff with Sargent. And then he misses that tap in on 18. Cause oh, yeah, yeah, comes, yeah. comes in and out the cup. So I knew Sargent would catch. And I think he's good. I, I think Sargent's really good. I think all of them are, I think Ebert Ludwig's no secret anymore. I mean, yeah. at this point you, I almost worry if, Aberg's becoming overrated before he even has even, the opportunity yes. to be profitable. That happens a lot. Which it in, in does. Our realm. In it our does. Realm. It does happen a lot. Kenny, and I love this guy. They were like tiger tweets about Tom Kim last year. Yeah, 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 yeah. There were. Yeah. There were tiger. Last not, year. Yeah. It wasn't even necessarily people saying this guy is going to be Tiger Woods, but there, and then, you know, because I remember this, I did a poll. I, do, I, I, I like Tom Kim a lot this week, but I did a poll after Tom Kim won a fall swing event. Who's better? Who's going to have a better career? Tom King or Victor Hovland? And Tom Kim got 65%. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. You, you, you make that <laughs> poll right now. It's not going to go that way. It's, it's not going to go that way. So, okay. Anybody else in the mid to low sevens that you want to shout out? I like Doug Kim, uh, mm-hmm. another Korean brethren. Right there, four straight top twenties. You know, I mean, for for a seven thousand four hundred dollar golfer, uh, another guy who tends to play better 
on easy courses, top 10 in opportunities gained on easy courses in the last 50 rounds. Of course, he has to get his putter going. Um, you know, his iron play is always strong. I'm a big fan of, of Seaweed Doug. I call him Seaweed Doug. Um, that's, that's the nickname I got because Kim in Korean is Seaweed, and Kim in Korean is also Kim. Uh, same last name. Just in Korean, it's spelled exactly the same. Uh, so why so, that's why is it? Did he go with Gim then? Because in Korean, there's no hard K sound. So that's why it's called Doug. That's why Kim is Gim in Korean. It, there's no it, hard K sound. So when you come to America, there's a hard K sound. So you just make it Kim. Uh, but his parents decided not to change not it. Not to change or, it, huh? Yeah, yeah, not to change like the, the English spelling of his last name because phonetically that is the way you 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 spell it in Korean if you're speaking it in Korean. Because there's no hard K sound. So my my name would be, I guess, Kenny Kim. <laughs> you know, because there's no hard K sound uh in <laughs> Korean. I like that. Had no yeah. idea. So okay, so Doug Kim, anybody else in the mid to low sevens? I mean, I know uh, Sundog Monkey, who's a, who I'm a fan of, Martin Matthews. He has, he does his own little – he does a lot of stuff work with Ben Coley and those guys across mm. the pond. He had some amazing stat about Taylor Pendrith in the month of July. Like something like I, – I, I, I don't remember the exact – but if you go go uh, go follow Sundog Monkey at Sundog Monkey or uh, Martin Matthews on Twitter and read his article this week – like, like eighty percent of his like top five finishes of his career have been in July. Don't know why. Uh, and, you know, and he, I think he finished top five here last year too. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. just something to look at. I mean, I I liked him before that just because of his length. He's done well here in the past uh, at a cheap price. But I saw that stat. And I was like, that's wild. That's uh, you know, definitely a narrative. You know, whatever. It doesn't doesn't really mean anything. Probably not. But it's just a fun thing to look at. You're like, wow. Um, a Nick Hardy. Down here, Ryan Palmer, those yeah. guys catch my eye down um, in the lower 7K range. Yeah. I'd throw out, I like Lashley too. I'd throw out Lashley, Shank, maybe Dietrich as well. Maybe Brandon. Yeah, Dietrich's another sort of been well on easy courses also. Yeah. Those would be the only other guys that I would throw mm -hmm. out there. Anyone in the sixes this week? And then we'll we'll finish up with uh, with any bets that we've made. I got a couple of favorites. Uh, first off, Grayson Sig. Mm -hmm. uh, he is actually my final cash game cornerstone with the three agents up top. Uh, because you, you got to go down. Yeah. Go you get, I was going to say, how many times have you gone into the sixes for a, a cash game cornerstone? I can't imagine it's been very often. It depends. Like I said, uh, on events like this, I do it often mm -hmm. um, because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do three studs and a punt. Basically, is the way I is the way I go about it. Now, on these designated events and majors, a lot more balanced. Usually, yeah. no one in the seven k range. But yeah. like the difference between the bottom seven k and the upper six k range, it's not that much difference no. in an event like this. Now, in an event like you know designated event or a major, there's some big time differences between those two price ranges. So I like Grayson Sig just because I, you know he's eleventh in my fourteenth in my model in strokes gain total in easy courses in the last 50 rounds in this field. Um, you know, he's gained about seven strokes with his irons uh, his last two times out. Top 20 at the Travelers, another birdie fest with Bent Poa Grass 
soft conditions. I'm hoping for a repeat uh, of that. Another guy I do like is Sam Ryder down here, who always seems to just pop randomly. That putter can just get super hot out of the blue. He has like three top tens random like this season, you know? And when it comes to these non-designated events, he's like, for, for people who have 12 or more rounds in non-designated events this year, he is third in strokes gain total in this field, in this field. Sam he is Ryder. third in strokes gain total in non-designated events uh, for golfers that have played more than 12 rounds in non-designated events this year. He's third in strokes. Game well, was Tory designated? I can't remember. I don't remember. Yeah. Cause if that wasn't, if that wasn't designated, that would make a lot more sense to me. Yeah. That he one, like, he had a couple he was of, like, uh, he, he was like T2 at Tory, which whether yeah. it was designated or not, that was a really good field. Yeah. And it was mostly due to the putter. Uh, yeah. And you know, that's, that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, this week for him, but I mean, like those two guys stuck out, snuck uh, stuck out to me. What about for you? I like, I have Chuck Hoffman, uh, who's starting to hit his irons a lot better recently, and has a tenth at this course where he gained over ten strokes ball striking. I think you'll still be able to get him at one percent, probably. I always like David Lipsky, just a guy I'm pretty high on his talent. I tend to play him pretty often when he's in, when he's around this price, which is essentially every week. Chesson mm -hmm. Hadley, a little bit. He's the type of guy that I could see pop up here. He tends to raise his baseline on some of these easier courses and could get really hot with the flat stick. One of you know one of the better bent poa putters, one of the better putters inside ten to fifteen feet, one of the better birdie makers. Once you get down here, but. I mean, that's about it, man. I don't. Oh, I didn't mention. I like Ak Akshay at seven K flat. I really like Akshay. I think that. Yeah. I think that he's yesterday's news with Aberg and Ekrod in the picture now, and I think Akshay is going to have a really good week this week. Yeah, I like him at easier courses too. Yeah, so I'm a fan. I think I might give Snedeker a try down there if I'm looking for someone down there yeah. at sixty three hundred. I mean, you know, he's coming back from injury. He's made one cut. Uh, you know, he has pretty good course history here. You know, throw out a flyer, you play like seven percent, be you know, seven times the field. Yeah. Um, all right, Kenny. Any uh you made any bets yet? I I've already completed my card. What's here? Uh uh Decky 18 to one. Okay. Smalley and, and the rest are all eight places each way. So Smalley 55 to one, Zedenhoot 70 to one, Doug Gim 90 to one. Carson Young one fifty to one, Ryder one fifty to one, Sig two twenty five to one. I've got Benny on at fifty, Jaeger at fifty five, Hubbard at ninety, and then my final decision is going to be either Finau or JT at the top. I really do like Finau this week. I think it's a good buy low spot for him. But he's like 12, 14, and I think the best you can get on JT is 18. So it's going to be either one of those guys at the top for me, Finau or JT. But yeah, that would be that would complete it for me based on my allocations. Any closing thoughts, my friend, on uh, on Rocket Mortgage? No, man, just enjoy the birdie fest and enjoy the scoring. You know, uh, you go out there and don't bitch too much and just have fun. <laughs> Basically, is what it comes down to, right? <laughs> Yeah, I think uh might be a tall ask on the not bitching too much when it comes to Twitter. 
uh, yeah. these days. But yeah, I mean, it enjoy the week. If you're, I would imagine many people, many listeners are probably at this time of the year and it's not, well, 4th of July is on a, um, fourth, Tuesday. The actual 4th of July is on a Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I guess most people you're celebrating like 4th of July festivities would be this weekend. Yeah, like all the fireworks and stuff will be Saturday and Sunday. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. So I uh, I don't know how much tuning in everyone will be doing to Rocket Mortgage. But all right, <laughs> we'll give see. a quick uh I know you just recorded with Tambo. What else? Anything else you got going on this week for people to check out? Yeah, no, check out the Fantasy Golf Generation podcast every week. You know, me and Tambo, we do our thing. Uh my write-ups on Gup's Corner every week. Use promo code Kenny. Save yourself 30% on a membership to Gup's Corner. Kenny. Thanks for joining me, my friend. We will do it again soon, buddy. That was fun, man. All right. That is it for the podcast. We will be back next week for the John Deere Classic. Until then, happy 4th of July. Best of luck with your bets this weekend, and we will see you next time. Cheers. If I ventured in the slipstream Between the viaducts of your dream where my world still runs crack And the dead in the back road stop Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.